get into some word. You ready for it? I've got some things to share with you that will make your heart glad. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 is our starting point. I've been teaching this series called Kingdom Rules for a couple of months now, and, uh, and we've got more to say. So, Kingdom Rules, it's about the kingdom of God, but specifically about the rules that govern it so that we can function in it. Matthew 6, Jesus said here, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So I can't seek the kingdom first if I don't know what the kingdom is. It's got to be defined on some level, what is the kingdom so I know what to pursue. Uh, uh, That's the New King James Version. I like the passion in this verse as well. It reads, so above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Don't you like that? I mean, that's, that, that's the heart of God. That's the, the heart of this verse. And, and so we can then succeed in the kingdom of God. Uh, all of us can. We can uh, become even great in the kingdom of God. It's not about self-exaltation, but Jesus gave us the rules, if you will. He gave us the instructions on how someone can succeed, they can thrive, and they can be called great in the kingdom Of God. We have the ability to, using the scriptures, to rewrite our brains to think according to His standards instead of earthly standards. Everybody with me today? It's kind of like what James wrote when he described there are two kinds of wisdom there's a wisdom that comes from above, and there's earthly, fleshly wisdom. See, we we could just say, I just want wisdom. Well, what kind do you want? (laughs) There is the wisdom of man that is quite different. When we talk about the kingdom of God, it is very, very different from, I don't know, maybe our gut response or our, our instinct from living down here and how we are to react. Everything from, if you want something, you should give. What? That means I have less. Yeah, in the laws of this natural world, you know, but in the kingdom of God, it works opposite of what we would naturally think. Okay? You know, we, we were discussing last week about about how Jesus said, if you want to be great, you need to become like a little child. Well, again, that doesn't make human sense. I'm grown up now. Why would I want to go backwards? Because some things we've grown out of, grown up from, are to be valued. There are some things about little children that we want to maintain and really go back to. And he said, you have to be converted and become like them. Right? But how many adults are really trying to be more like kids? In the way that he said. Because <laughs> I don't want to be like a kid in all areas. We need to be mature. But, you know, the things that we discussed, of course, if you were here, you heard that. Those are vital. And Jesus said, these people are great in my kingdom. Those that do that will be great in the kingdom of God. Praise God. So I want to go a little bit further and, and look at uh, Romans chapter 14 today. Romans The 14th chapter, if you're able to look at that, that'd be great. Romans 14, and two particular verses. Let me give you a little setup. Uh, Paul was teaching the believers there in Rome how to deal with some conflicts that they had over what was acceptable to eat and not eat. All right? Uh, In other words, 
people were saying, you can't eat this food because before it got to your plate, someone dedicated it to some idol. In other words, they're worshiping some fake false god, so you can't eat that. And others would say, it's just food. I don't care what they did with it. I'm just going to give God thanks for it and eat it. So there was some confusion there. And, and he said some people are weaker than others. And basically was telling, he was telling the stronger ones to give the weaker ones a break. All right, Don't ruin their life. Don't intentionally go out of your way to offend them just because you know there's no problem here. Everybody with me? Yeah. Okay, verse, verse 16, he, he writes, Therefore... Do not let your good be spoken of as evil. So, uh, in other words, if it's in your power, don't, don't lean towards that. Don't, uh, it's kind of like the, the other place that said, as much as is possible with you, live peaceably with all men. It's not always possible, but let your part be in this. He said, in regards to these discussions, don't let there be a fuss about this. Don't. Walk in love towards people. Be, be kind towards them. Do your best to be mindful of others while not compromising truth. So you can take that too far and say, I'm going to have no standards. I'm going to, have, take, I'm going to never say anything controversial because someone's not going to accept it. And Well, we're not going to do that either. I mean, Jesus was called over and over in the scriptures. He was called the rock of offense. Why is that? Jesus is offensive. If you want to get saved any other way and someone comes up and says, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. That's what he said. Right. No one gets to the Father by him. Some people are going to be uh, annoyed by that. Yeah. How are you going to say that? Well, he's the rock of offense. Right? Okay. So we're not going to avoid everything potentially controversial. But if we can give people a break and walk in love, that's what he's saying. Verse 17. Verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Interesting description. He said this whole thing we're involved with, this great kingdom that we're involved with, it's not about what you eat and drink. That's not the focus. That's not the, the, the defining line as to who's in and who's out. He said this is what it is about, righteousness, peace, and joy. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, and someone inquired of you who maybe didn't know, and they said, well, what is this all about? I see you going to church now, and you've got some kind of bumper sticker, and you, know, and, 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 and you became a Christian. Tell me, what's that all about? Well, what is it like? Or maybe you grew up uh, being a Christian most of your life. How would you describe this activity, these, these things that we do? I mean... Would it be described by things that we don't do? Because that's not how he did it. But I think sometimes people will say, yeah, I'm a Christian now, so now I no longer do X. Now I no longer go here. Now I no longer do these things. And although that's probably true, it's true for me. There are certain things I don't do because I have a relationship with God. And I don't think he'd like it. And I, and I believe he's wise, Right. At the same time, I don't think that's the way we're supposed to describe this because that's not the main issue, what I stopped doing. Or, or would it be described, well, I'm a Christian now, so uh, I can't play golf on Sunday morning anymore. <laughs> or, or something like that. Now I go to church. Well, that's not how he described it. It's not just defined by those externals, eating and drinking, or 
some of these other activities, he, he seemed to go to the inside. See, the kingdom of God is not about following regulations. And that seems like a strong statement, but that's a newsflash to a whole lot of religious people. That that's not what this is all about. The rules are that there are no ritualistic rules. You understand, I'm using the word rules in the, in the message, in the teaching, in the title of this, but the word rules are specific to what we're teaching. So many times people have replaced the laws, if you will, that govern God's kingdom with regulation and rituals and requirements. And they've gotten so far away from the heart of it, from the, the meat of, of, of what we're, we're talking about. This is primarily about a relationship. Amen. All right. Why don't you say that, that with me today? Say, uh, say the kingdom of God, kingdom of God is, primarily is primarily about a relationship. Yeah, Jesus described it this way when he was praying in uh, Matthew 17 and, and, and verse 3. Uh, he, he said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What's eternal life? That I know him. That I know the Father and the Son. I know him. That, that word know even carries the connotation of experience. Okay, so it's not just I memorized the verses about Jesus, but I have a real relationship with him. We have experiences together. If you say that about someone you know on earth, a spouse, a friend, uh, uh, and you say, well, I know them. Well, what, what, what are you going to go back to in, in defining or describing how you know that person? Well, we've done this together. And we live together. We had kids together. Or we play golf together. We work together. We, we, and you're going to talk about experiences. That should be the description of a relationship with God. Well, we spend time together. I talk to him. And watch. And he talks to me. I pray. And he does things for me. And he speaks to me by his word and spirit. And I do things for him too. It's a relationship. That's, that's very real. That's what God intended this to be. Not just a one-way, you know, bunch of robots obeying the, obeying the commandments. It's a relationship. This is eternal life that we would uh, know him. Praise God. If, if someone just observes strict adherence to regulation, um, they're just religious. There might be a little bit of value in that. You might have... You know, some good disciplines in your life. But it's not the intent. It's not the driving force of what God wants us to, to do. He wants us to know about the kingdom so we can navigate. You know, if you came in here for the first time or haven't been in, in this facility very often, you need instructions how to get, get around. Okay? The kids go here. The bathroom's over here. The coffee is over here. <laughs> Uh, you know, the main auditorium is here, the event center. We got all kinds of different rooms. And if you've never been here, you don't know where everything is. You need instructions so you can thrive in this facility. So you can enjoy everything. In the kingdom of God, you get in, you get saved by his grace. You're in the family of God. Doesn't mean you know how to navigate. So we need, we need rules of such, of that sort. But the main thing is that we're in, we have a relationship with God and that relationship basically produces real three, three solid things, and that is righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen. All right. 
You might recall uh, when David of the Old Testament was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the king of Israel. There was Saul. Saul went bad. God said, I'm going to replace you. And he sent uh, Samuel to Jesse's house. All right. And Jesse had a bunch of boys. David was the youngest. He didn't even show up. And the prophet's thinking, okay, that's definitely the one. Or if not him, then this one's. And he's looking this way. And it ends up being David. And, and a famous scripture is 1 Samuel 16, 7, which reads, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his outward appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's so very simple, but sometimes we forget that. And then we start serving God outwardly. Everything's external. Everything's checking the box. I did this. I didn't do this. And we forget the inward nature of this relationship. It all starts inward. If if, if we have outward actions, outward behavior that disagrees with or does not conform to God's image and his ways, how many know the way to fix our outward is not just through self-discipline? I need to suck it up and pull my act, get my act together and stop doing wrong things and start doing more right things. The biblical method to changing this is inward alteration is when my heart is changed or my heart becomes full of good things, my outward actions become more natural. It is, I don't mean it takes zero effort, but when your heart is full of something, it's, it's easier to do what you want to do. When you're trying to perform and act in such a way that is inconsistent with your inward being, that's going to be difficult and probably short-lived. Everybody with me today? Okay. That's why God looks at the inside. The focus is inward. The new birth is inward. Jesus said the kingdom of God is not here or there. The kingdom of God is within you. And if we keep our focus, even this righteousness, peace, and joy, keep our focus on the inside, then we're on the right track. What, what should our Christian activities produce? When I say activities, even things like what we're doing today. We came, we showed up, we're here together, we go through the... The, the, the components of a service, what is it supposed to do? produce in our life? With some, all it produces is pride. I've done what I need to do. Bless God, church, check the box. Did you go? I went. They might even post it proud, <laughs> pridefully. Sometimes it produces superiority. I'm better than because I've done these things. And I think that's the wrong approach. If this is done in a right spirit, in a right way, it produces peace and joy in us. If what I'm doing for God and with God does not produce those elements, those qualities, then I've probably missed the main point. He said, it's not about the external, what you, the food and drink. It's about these inward qualities. Praise God. And again, back to Samuel. He said, this is where God looks. He looks at the heart. Isn't it interesting how our country has gone the other way again? Years ago, we had some real issues, and then I thought we were mostly fixed. And now, all of a sudden, it's become, it's become the main thing again, where people are putting others in positions. And what, why are they doing it? Based on their skin color. 
It's like, you are so far away from God. God doesn't look at people that way. And we're not supposed to look at people that way. It is about the inward qualities of an individual. It is about who they really are. These are what matter to God. And we've got to remember that for ourselves, for others around us. That is the focus. So, again, now, if I'm going to thrive in the kingdom, if I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and get all this other stuff added to me abundantly, I have to think like God does in regards to these matters. Everybody okay? All right. I'm going to slow walk a little bit now through righteousness, peace, and joy. All right. Turn with me to John 16. Just a short left turn there. John 16. He said the kingdom of God is righteousness. It is righteousness. What? Well, that's not wrongteousness. It is righteousness. So if you say, well, I don't even know what righteousness means. It means right. All right? It doesn't mean wrong. And there's a, big, there's a lot of confusion about right and wrong. It's important that we get it settled for our own selves. What's right? What's wrong? Okay? Uh, but it matters not about your diet and other outward observances, but it matters if you are right with God. So I prayed this week. Good for you. Are you right with God? Well, I went to church. Awesome, me too. Are you right with God, though? Because, I mean, no, you can do one without the other. Well, I gave my tithe. Well, good for you, me too. Are you right with God, though? None of those other things, none of those outward, outward um, actions, manifestations, are, uh, are, are the main issue. The main thing is, why do you do that? What, what's happening in the middle of it? But are you righteous or right with God? Jesus said... In John 16, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. He's leaving. Holy, the Holy Spirit's coming. He's trading places. He, he said, and when he has come, verse 8, he will convict the world. Everybody say the world. The world. Of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they're just a bunch of rascals and they lie and cheat and, and, they, and they rob the tithe. And <laughs> no, that's not what he said. He said, of sin because they do not believe on me. That's an interesting thing. Why why do some people miss heaven? Not because of all their sins, but because of the sin of rejecting Jesus. That's it. That's why you come here and you say, I do a lot of bad things. I don't even want to talk to you about them. Meaning, unless you, you 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 want to talk, but that's not the issue between you and God. Really? I've done some pretty bad things. I know. And it's all been, it's all been covered by the blood of Jesus. It's not a problem with God. You just need to accept the Savior. But that's a different message. Kind of. It fits. Verse 10. Uh, let's see. Uh, verse 10 of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So, the Holy Spirit shows the world. Not talking about the church here. But he shows the world... Of, of God's standard of righteousness. Jesus was leaving. Jesus was definitely presenting God's standard, his righteousness. He's leaving because now the Holy Spirit's going to do this. And he's going to tell, tell the world what's right. He's going to show what the standard of God's righteousness is. In one sense, we could say it uh, from Isaiah. The Holy Spirit reveals that your righteousness is as filthy rags. But you can truly be made righteous by faith in Jesus. 
None of us are ever going to measure up to, to God's standard by ourselves. It is found in Christ, true, true righteousness. And you remember our text, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Notice the word His. Not, don't just seek righteousness, seek His righteousness. In other words, we're allowing Him to set the standard. We're saying, your way is the way. Not my righteousness, not I judge what's right and wrong based upon my background, my religious experience, my preferences, what I'm comfortable with, what my family taught me. No, if I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God, I'm looking for what he says is right and what he says is wrong. Everybody okay? It's not our opinion. It's not our culture. It's not those with the loudest voice. It's his righteousness. I know, I know there's some that want to undermine that. And they want to say, you can't, well, you can't even rely on the Bible because the Bible's been changed. And all this nonsense that they heard from some professor that they paid a gazillion dollars to give them a degree. And they're intimidated by it and moved by culture. And you say, you can't even rely on that book. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. Say, but it's been changed. No, it hasn't. Where'd you get that from? It was from some ignoramus who told you something they didn't know about. I know my message here today isn't to prove that point, but you can easily research that. I'm just saying some people, they hear these things and they just say, oh yeah. And then they start questioning the very thing that saves them. It undermines their faith in God. And it's based on what? Someone who didn't know him. It's like, hearing, it's like hearing someone present themselves as an expert on the Holy Spirit and things like speaking in tongues and that kind of stuff, and they want to, they want to be down on it, yet you ask them, what's your experience with that? Well, nothing. <laughs> well, I don't know anything about that. Have you ever experienced that? No. Then why are you an authority? I'd rather, you know, if you want to, when I get on an, air, an airplane, I'm, I want to know that the pilot has flown before. <laughs> I want someone who's actually, they didn't just study. They didn't just do ground school. They flew the airplane. And thank God those are the requirements. But they've actually flown it. Like, have you flown in the clouds? Have you flown in the snow? You know, I want to know because my life is putting it in your hands here. When it comes to spiritual things, we get all of our advice from people who, who don't have any spiritual experience. Who don't know God personally. Who've never experienced the gifts of the Spirit. One of the reasons we share testimonies constantly, it is for those who have never heard. It is for those who have a need and they don't know how this works. And they hear, What? Someone got healed in their, their heartburn? What? Someone's knee, they was blown out? Someone had cancer? And they really, they really got healed? Yeah, it's that person right there. You should talk to them. Amen. Yeah, it's me. You should, I'm going to tell you my story. See, it, it helps people to come up when they have real experiences with God. Not just adherence to a theory. I got to get going. You guys, maybe you're pulling stuff out of me I didn't plan. But again, it's his righteousness. That's the focus. He sets the standard. All right. Just like we say in prayer, you know, people come to me and say, hey, 
Pastor, would you pray for me? Absolutely. Here's what I need. Okay, good. What verse are you standing on? What promise are we going to believe together? And if you've been around here, you know that's, that's a good question. If you haven't, you would say, well, what? What, what do you mean, what verse? Like all of them. You mean like, G, like Judas hung himself? That one? You're going to use that verse? I doubt you're using all of them. Be specific. Why? Because the revelation of God's will is the foundation for our faith. I can't believe with you if you don't know what God has said. Just like it's true in faith and prayer, it's also true in, in living. Why do you come to church? Why do you give? Why do you worship? Why do you forgive? Why, why do you do the things that you do? What verse? Why do you avoid certain activities or places? What verse? He's our standard. Not my church. Well, my church says. Well, the song says. I heard a song on the radio, and it said... <laughs> or by belief. Well, I just believe. Well, how is what I just believe a foundation for anything good? His, his righteousness. That's my point. His righteousness. Secondly, he said the kingdom is about peace. I like Romans 10, 15, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. The gospel is called the gospel of the kingdom. It's also called the gospel of Peace, the gospel of peace. What should, what, what should the gospel do for us? Well, the, which gospel is good news, the good news about Jesus. It, it should bring peace with God. No longer a conflict. I'm no longer at odds with him. I'm right with him. I have peace with God. It should bring internal peace, meaning I'm not living in turmoil and fear and, and all this anxiety. I have, I have inward peace. It's beyond description. It's beyond explanation. I'm at rest. Come on, this is the kingdom. This is how, how, how it works. It should bring peace between, uh, between one to another as much as is possible because you can't force someone into that. But as much as possible, it brings peace between you and other people. You're no longer an agitator. You're no longer an argue, argumentative person. Always finding conflict, stirring up strife, talking about people behind their back, that kind of stuff. But the kingdom of God means... Peace is in me. It flows from me. It surrounds me. Everybody with me today? I, I'm saying these are the main components of the kingdom of God. I need to know them so I can navigate and get to the right room. Because if, if I am yielding myself to a divisive spirit and I'm constantly dividing and saying things and, and causing trouble, I am not seeking the kingdom of God. I'm seeking some other kingdom. I'm not yielding to, remember, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. I'm not yielding to that spirit. I'm yielding to some other spirit. So all these things work together. It's not a huge list here, you guys. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And we can focus on the main thing. Praise God. The third one, he said, is joy. Man, that's worth the whole message by itself. Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I'm saved. What's that? What, what do you mean by that? Joy. How do you describe salvation? Oh, I'm happy. That's what it's supposed to produce in us. Not, 
Like, some, like I think sometimes happens, people get extra religious and they get extra bitter. They get more religious and they become more critical. You know, it's like, it's like I can tell when someone's judgmental just by looking at them. <laughs> no, it's, some of you will get that later. But, uh, it's supposed to produce in us joy. I smile more. I laugh more. Remember the kids? Remember the little children, how much they laugh? Now it's working in me more. Why? I'm saved. I'm really right with God. Matthew 25, 21. Jesus said, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He describes heaven and reward and that place as joy. Where are you going when you die? Joy. Really? Not heaven? Yes, that's what it is. It's joy. There's no sad days. There's no down days. There's no dark days. The presence of God is joy. Psalm 1611 says that in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand is pleasure. What's heaven going to be like? Pure pleasure. Absolute joy forever. So if I know that's what salvation is, that's what uh, is my eternal reward. That's what the very presence of God is. It's all about joy. That's how I cooperate with the kingdom. That's what I look for. When I pray, I do so with a smile of expectation. When I get close to him, I know, okay, I'm going to my happy place here. Where's that? With the Lord. Because that's, that, that's one of the main components of his kingdom. C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. Say, so what does the Lord want from me? I'll tell you what he wants. He wants you to be so full of joy you can hardly stand it. That's what he wants. He told us how to pray. He said, I'm telling you this so, so your joy would be full. He wants us to be full of joy. Religion takes away the joy of salvation. But God takes no delight in our suffering, our sorrow, our sadness. He gains no benefit and no pleasure in these things. I have found often while, while praying, sometimes just praying in the Spirit, is I'll get a sense of joy that comes up from within me. Some of you can totally relate to this. Praying and all of a sudden, <laughs> I just want to laugh. Say, so what are you laughing at? Nothing out here. It's God working in me. I find this sometimes when I, when I lay hands on people or minister and help them with you know, healing or in these services. Uh, sometimes when the Lord gives me words of knowledge and I start saying, hey, someone's got a this and let's pray for this. Lay your hands on yourself. In the middle of it, it's, it's not intentional. I don't try to make it happen. But many times, just right out of my belly, I start laughing. I mean, I start, where is that coming from? That's God in me saying, I am happy about this. They have got their victory. People are being touched. People are being helped. The Lord smiles. He enjoys doing that. Praise God. Now, let me say some stronger things. Uh, depressed people are a poor witness for the kingdom. Is that okay? We're supposed to have fun in life. We're supposed to have fun in church. It is not supposed to be a sad, whiny, depressing place. That is not the will of God. That is not what he said. The kingdom of God is this. You all get together, and it's horrible. No, it's supposed to be fun, exciting, 
It's supposed to be filled with joy. Jesus taught us that when one person gets saved, there is joy in the presence of God and His angels. When one person gets saved, heaven erupts. And by the way, they don't go from sadness to joy. They go from joy to joy. They go from, I am so full of joy, I don't think I can stand it. Someone just got saved, and it just goes over the top. And if you've ever had a belly laugh, have you ever, have you ever had a, you've ever laughed so hard you couldn't control it? That's probably a good picture. So we should yield ourselves to joy. I said I was going to say something stronger. I kind of haven't yet. We should yield ourselves to joy. You know what we should resist? Depression. We should resist sadness. We should uh, not yield ourselves. There ought to be a standard in our lives. If you're a believer where you have a, 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 a line drawn that says, I don't have down days. I don't get down. I don't get depressed. I don't have heaviness. I, I will not yield myself to that. Because you recognize that's the wrong spirit. If you've been a believer for more than a minute, and some of you are not here yet, I get that, and that's okay. But if you've been a believer for the, more than a minute, you know that this life is not just about our physical existence. There is a spiritual realm that is more real than the physical realm. And when we are, go, when we are dealing with all kinds of junk, there are spirits that are affecting people. And if I am feeling down and feeling low, and I am about to yield to depression. And that really is a spirit. Why do so many people, it seems like recently, I mean in recent last few years, it's really gone up. People think it's okay to yield to depression. And when I say that, you're a little bit annoyed at me for saying that. Because I'm be, you're just being insensitive. You just don't know what I'm going through. Maybe I do. And maybe it really is a spirit. Maybe it really is something that we choose to yield to or we choose to resist. Maybe there's a, a, an attitude shift, a mental disposition that says, even though I may feel down for no reason or I may feel down for good reason, I have a choice in the middle of that to say, I refuse to yield to this. I have the joy of the Lord in me and it's my strength. The presence of God, he said he would never leave me and he said in his presence is fullness of joy. So I'm going to go by what he said and go by what I believe as opposed to how I feel. And I tell you, nowadays when people, they just think it's okay, they just tell people, I'm down, I'm depressed, I'm just, uh, I'm just all, this, all, the, all this stuff. If you keep following that, the next word out of your mouth is suicidal. And then people start thinking that way and they start talking that way. Well, I'm really, I just don't know if it's worth it. You got to get some different words in your mouth because you are yielding to the wrong kingdom. And that's, that can be done. And again, if, if you respond to this and say, well, my situation is, you know, it's uh, chemical or it's clinical. That doesn't really matter. I don't deny the reality of what someone goes through or what their experience is. I'm just saying our God is greater and his word is more powerful. And the kingdom of God, if you say, I'm in it, good, then you're in joy. So you smile, 
whether you feel like it or not. You laugh when you don't feel like it. People say, how you doing? The Lord is my victory. The Lord is my song. The Lord is my joy all day long. I refuse to fear and doubt and come under this depressed and dark cloud. Come on. And it's exercising faith. We walk by faith. We don't walk by what we feel. One of Wigglesworth's most famous sayings, and he was known as an apostle of faith, great man of God. He, he, said, he said, I don't ask Smith Wigglesworth how he feels. I tell him. <laughs> but you know how many of us don't even believe that's possible? We think, well, you can't control how you feel. Or can you? Or can you say, Lord, I know the spirit of God is a spirit of joy. You said you'd never leave me. You abide inside me. And therefore, I'm going to be fine. Ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. Yeah. Everybody okay? It's it's just, just like we wouldn't yield to unrighteousness. I mean... If we did, we would know it's wrong. You don't re- yield yourselves to just any, any desire, any, whatever I feel like, that's what I do. Well, once you become a Christian, you know that's foolish. All right. Well, in the same way, it is wrong to yield to, a, to sadness. It's not, a way, it's not a way to live by faith. Praise God. So here's the final question. Just sum it all up. Are you right with God? Are you living in his peace? Are you full of joy? Keep your eye on the ball. These are the main things. Not, I've got so many things to do to please God. Quit. You're accepted in the beloved. If you've made Jesus your savior, you're accepted, you're in love, you're embraced. He has made you whole. Now get your eye on the ball. This kingdom that I'm a part of is about, I am right with God. Woo! He sets the standard. And I meet it in Christ. And I'm filled with peace and joy. This is the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Oh, he's so good to us today. Amen, amen, amen. Now now let's just let the Spirit of God uh, do some things in us. What do you say? Let him work in us right now, just for a couple minutes. Just let the Spirit of God speak to us. Let the Spirit of God do his thing. Father, we thank you for working in us. Hallelujah. By your spirit, we yield ourselves to you. We give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor.